Sorry, we're not laughing at you. It's fine. <laughs> got it. You got it one time. It's good. <sighs> Welcome back to the Quantum Shit Show. It's a very special episode because we are all coming to you in one place. Check it out. Check it out. We are sitting up here in my loft, which doubles as my music studio and my art room. We're sitting on floor cushions, having tea and cat mugs (laughs) (laughs) around a little coffee table, playing with musical instruments. Messing around. We're all just hanging out. Yeah. Should, it's a it's a shame we can't just be mic'd up on a regular basis just walking around through our lives. So nobody's audio would get cut out. Nobody would be confused. <laughs> ever. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's ex- it's exciting to get to be here and do this together. We've been talking about it for a while, so now we get to do it. The yeah. place where the podcast was thought of. Mm-hmm. Conceived. And we're, and we're actually doing it. It's a lot of fun. It's we're true. all sharing a mic. <laughs> yeah, we're all sharing a mic. No we headphones. Got, we got some things to talk about. We got some things to discuss. Yeah. Well, things that we've been discussing. Yeah, things mm-hmm. that we've been discussing that we talk about and flesh out on our own on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Trying to make sense of things, understand things. Coming out of our individual rooms after a good night's sleep or maybe not so good night's sleep (laughs) (laughs) and being like, dude, my dream last night, you know, and then that whole thing snowballs into profound revelation uh, as topics change. We ebb and flow in conversation. We're not always trying to talk about things that are esoteric and Mm -hmm. spiritual and deep, profound you I know, think what's so cool about the podcast is that it just I think happens. It just happens. And we're <laughs> each episode we're just kind of following a thread mm-hmm. and they're all connected mm-hmm. and leading into one another. I think that's what's so cool about it to me. You know what I wish? I wish I would have had this ability when I was in high school in speech class. Cause like we literally just throw a topic out and we're like, let's talk about this. And then we're like, okay. And then we're just sitting talking about it for like three hours, you know, <laughs> and discovering so many things. And I, man, I struggled in speech class to talk about things. I just was like stumped. This is so much more organic and natural. So I know I it must've just taken time. I should have waited and gone to high school now. I would have done better. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would have too. also done better. <laughs> I think about that too. I had to actually repeat speech class because I bombed it because. I also failed my speech class. Did you? Yes. <laughs> and then I tried to go to college and 
for a communications degree and didn't even complete my um, application. You're supposed to fill out an application and then write essays, and I didn't even do that. <laughs> I never went to college. Like, I want to go for communication, but I refuse to communicate with men. Right. I wanted to be like public speaker. I remember the first day of my speech class in college, and I called the professor out because there was a typo in the handout. And instead of public speaking, it said pubic speaking. <gasps> oh. And I was like, this is unfortunate. <laughs> in a speech class. Classic typo. <laughs> Oh my God. I love that. Ooh. Yeah. So I think the cool thing is, um, us getting to talk about things from a very practical place. And that's what I appreciate about this podcast so much in this conversations. Like we're always looking at things that have been so mysterious and so kind of, um, elusive and not well understood. And then we find practical places that they exist and we're like, Oh my God, these things are connected. So Mm-hmm. Getting to talk about that today is going to be fun. Well, it also makes <clears throat> for much, a much more embodied experience as a human too, because a lot of this mysterious esoteric stuff kind of disembodies us because it gets real floaty and yes. weird. You know, it's like we, it's, it's so abstract and intangible sometimes that it just completely like pulls us up. Our body or is so um, <clears throat> unattainable, I guess, in a lot of ways that people aren't really able to grasp what it is. Yeah. It can be. Yeah. I think that, with the right mixture, um, like from what I've experienced and then even certain groups is like certain things that I've experienced that like grabbed me, they weren't even necessarily based on like the tangible things. It was more of like the energy of a specific person that I was in. I remember meeting you and it was like, do you remember? Do you remember it? Yes. (laughs) And I want to talk about it. Um, I will share. It was like, you know, certain interactions with people um, like this one, for example, it grabs you. It does something. It's something that it's not even about the words that are said. It's not even about the things that are being offered uh, tangibly. Like if it is, uh, I mean, in whatever way we interact with people, meet people, develop relationships, form connections. It's like I walked away from that changed in a way that I couldn't describe. And I think it's so easy to get into that place where it's like, Oh, I'm lost. I'm like in this airy place of spirituality and I don't have an anchor, but then there are those unique, um, sometimes like once in a life. Well, I wouldn't know once in a lifetime kind of things because my life's not over, (laughs) but uh, I can say so far, you know, once in a lifetime, it's like, I'm just kidding. (laughs) There are just the, the perfect circumstances or situations where the time is just right. And everything is ripe to just impact you or hit you or anchor something into you and help you remember something that you had forgotten or that you had been dis- disconnected from. And I know that's kind of like the essence of truth um, or even understanding the essence of Christ and healing my relationship with even just that word right there healing that relationship or starting to see beyond personality in what that was or what I had been told that was the indoctrination. It was like understanding and and like approaching the essence of truth more didn't lead me to specific truths that I could say, this is the truth, Mm -hmm. but it did hit me at a level that was like, I couldn't grab it and I couldn't pull it out and show you, Mm -hmm. but I knew it was there. And there's like this, 
bridge. Like there's a bunch of people who need the tangible thing. So they kind of gravitate to personalities or they gravitate to modalities, Mm -hmm. (laughs) personalities and modalities. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's the people who are so deep in the faith and the mystery and the magic, um, but there's no anchor or they don't see the bridge or they even reject whenever that bridge is offered to them between the two. And yeah, it it was like exactly what you were saying. It was like, it's, it's um, I guess different for each person. It's a timing thing and no one can really, set that time it feels like it just like happens whenever it's supposed to happen (laughs) i wish you could see the way that they were gazing into one another's eyes (laughs) well i was waiting to see if there was something else coming after that like i have to be careful because he and i will get talking and we'll have so many conversations going between us and it's like He's talking, then I'm like, yeah, and then that, and he's like, yeah, and we're just talking over. Yeah, I'm learning to, and I'll just be over here sipping my tea, <laughs> learning to be just quiet listening. and be and patient. Even as, even as um, organic as we can make the flow here, it's like for me, as soon as the mic comes on, it's like something's different. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's 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 as close as we can get to, yeah, recording while yeah. we're like yeah. having lunch or whatever, and, and I think maybe eventually that it's like a wall inside of me. Or like some something. Well, you know? and it's there's there's this big AI protrusion protrusion right here <laughs> obstructing our circle, this microphone. Uh, so yeah, and it's like we're staring right at it and talking right into it. So yeah, it does change something. Yeah, it's it not awkward different. at all. And it's completely normal and natural. An, yeah. It, it's an unknown amount of listeners peering into this conversation. It's intimacy. It's like to be vulnerable in a space with just y'all is like, okay. So this microphone brings an element of unsafety. (laughs) Well, it, yeah, it's just a new dynamic. It's like adding one more person to a group is like everyone adjusts, you know, Mm -hmm. it like moves and flows. Are you talking about nervous system co-regulation? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, we have to all. Because that's the topic today. (laughs) Ebb and flow with the. Just how I was talking about whenever the cat came and laid on me while I was taking the nap. It mm-hmm. was like a push. Like if you were in a pool of water and it was like I, <clears throat> I was in like a meditative state on the couch, just kind of like not really taking a nap, but just kind of like finishing a meditation. And the cat came and laid down on top of me because I was laying down. And it was like came and laid down. But I felt the energy of the cat. And it felt like if I was in a pool of water and I took both my arms and put them out to the side and then just like whoosh like sloosh the water like all together in front of me and it would like give that wave but the wave would always kind of like return back to you and things would like mm-hmm. the cat entered my space and it like created this wave in my energy and I think that's what happens whenever things enter a space so having the mic here it's like well we're we're growing in listeners and you know on a quantum level thousands of people have already listened to this you know what I mean like without the time it's like there's no telling how many people are actually going to hear this and who are like having access to the energy that we're giving. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel that too. And it's requiring a level of intimacy that (laughs) I don't know if I want to keep I don't always know if I Yeah. So but that's the (laughs) point I guess. Well I'm excited to have this conversation. We've been talking about it for two days now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At least. But well no longer than that because we've been messaging Mm -hmm. each other back and forth before we got to Florida. So it's been developing itself. Yes, it is a, a developing topic, and we certainly don't know everything there is to know about it, but I think no. it's worth 
connecting the dots and bringing the parts that we are kind of fleshing out forward for people to start also connecting their own dots. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say that the value for me and us even having this conversation is multifaceted, but it's because number one, we always say that we want to do things that are practical. Like we want to approach spirituality. Um, and the whole reason that the quantum shit show was ever conceived was because there was a lack of groundedness. There was a lack of practicality basically. Mm -hmm. And so bringing that forward in this conversation and the cool thing for me in in all of this is every time we get talking about a a subject like this, I think there's more that unfolds and like gets triggered or activated in each of us. And it's like, Oh, well then maybe that means blah, blah, blah. And then we get to like, just share those thoughts and ideas. Plus this is kind of an extension of our winter solstice webinar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we talked about the mind overlay in the winter solstice webinar, um, just as a reference point for any of you who have not heard that yet. And today we're going to get to share some things about the nervous system, not as experts on the nervous system, but as students of it. And then as people that are journeying with what that means for us individually in our own healing and how it's linked to the healing that we provide or participate in or whatever. So it's really cool to me. As people with nervous systems. Right. <laughs> That's what qualifies us to talk we, about We're it. qualified to talk about our nervous systems. We're, we're carriers. Yeah. It's so funny because I've been working um, with and having conversation with um, Shannon Morton um, for, I mean, months, almost a year now. <clears throat> and every time I would sit and talk to her about whatever was going on for me or whatever, I was like, what about this? And what about that? It would always come back to this need to regulate my nervous system. Although I don't know that she would say it like that. She might have. And I might have been so traumatized by what was going on that I couldn't even hear what she was saying. Mm -hmm. But she was always bringing it back to this place of like, you know, you're going to have to you're going to have to deal with this. You're going to have to deal with trauma in the body. You're going to deal with trauma in the body. It's like, okay, okay, okay. Well, after many months of hearing that over and over again, I finally decided to go ahead and deal with trauma in the body. No, I mean, (laughs) honestly, like be more focused on it and be like, okay, let's just get down to the nitty gritty of this thing. And Bo and I have been talking about it a lot. And then also accessing information from people who do specialize in nervous system um, regulation and healing of the nervous system and all of that. And what was so interesting about what we've received and heard and listened to was us seeing the parallels in quantum work and like how it affects quantum work because we ourselves are going through a process of healing and regulating our nervous system and being more aware of that. And then going, Oh my gosh, like this actually impacts our spiritual life dramatically, you know? And I think for me, I'm just going to speak for myself. I wasn't raised to even have conversation around my nervous system. Please get out of here. I mean, I don't even, my, I don't even know if my parents have even said the words nervous system in my life at my house. And so it's like, I know. And I don't remember anything about it. Like I said, I should do high school. Now I would graduate valedictorian probably, but um, no, I hate school. Um, But I just don't remember anything. I, I know I learned it in biology. I'm sure I learned about it in, you know, high school and science and it was mentioned, but there's no focus given to it until you get to a point in your life where you're dealing with some kind of health issue or some kind of healing crisis. And it's like, well, this is time now to pay attention to this one part of your 
entire existence that runs everything in your freaking body and you never looked at it, you know? <laughs> so <clears throat> better yeah. late than never. I know. So I'm kind of playing catch up at this point. And we've been talking about the nervous system. We've been looking at it. We've been making an effort to practice things that regulate our nervous systems, which has brought up a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, it's mind blowing because a little bit of context, a little story here is we have been doing session work, all three of us. Um, I was fairly new to quantum healing uh, by the time I realized that what we were actually doing whenever we got into spaces and started praying for people, um, it wasn't necessarily like a quote unquote formal training, but it was uh, spending more time around people who were a part of a quantum healing environment, community, conversation, and then realizing, holy shit, this is happening in everything mm -hmm. that we do. Mm -hmm. Everything that we do is affecting us at this energetic level um, in all of these different modalities and frequency, yada, 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 timelines, <clears throat> um, plugins, almost like this ET alien tech sort of mumbo jumbo started to be like, okay, let's learn more about this. Let's learn more about that. And we did session work for a long time. And that spiritual searching for truth, not even just being like, okay, right. I'm okay where I'm at. I'm okay. Um, kind of in this space, I can exist here for a while. And we did exist in spaces for a while, but we've had this drive to be like, okay, well, there's something deeper here. There's something that is like, <laughs> Maybe not all of this is the truth, but it's somewhere in here. It's a, it's a thin thread of truth. And there have been things that we've been saying when we understood them at a level. And now we're realizing those things are holding true, holding firm, standing the test of time, uh, standing the test of communities, people coming and going, and then seeing, oh my gosh, these things that we were talking about as like, these are truths. These are understandings of what's going on here. Like, I know this sounds very vague, those things inevitably led us to more and more info. Mm -hmm. So there was a point where it was like <clears throat> we were overloaded with information and we put everything down and we just focused on let's get all of our information from God, all of our information from within. This was like around when COVID was like coming out, media control, like all this stuff, propaganda, politics, mm -hmm. um, the whole sea of madness that was not only the United States, but the entire world. And it was like, we didn't, we put down all the books, all the podcasts, all the teachers. We didn't do it. We didn't participate in anything. Mm -hmm. And we just started trying to cultivate our own relationship with God and what that meant to us being a child of God and what that looks like and how different it is from being a child of the world, like a product of the world and participating and living and building that unconsciously, like the slavery and the, the imprisonment and basically started to have soul retrievals and go through that work. And it was like, there were things that were tangible, um, sciences, uh, descriptions, understandings, things that could explain what was going on. But there was a lot that we were experiencing in private session work in our own meditations that we didn't have any reference point for. Yeah. It was like, okay, that happened. That was there. Don't know what it means, whether we're seeing sacred geometry or seeing beings having encounters with different uh, aspects of consciousness and trying to understand like, well, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. You know, the best we could do was either go try to dig up all this information or just trust ourselves and be like, okay, all will be revealed. Right. 
And on that pathway of all will be revealed, there were some times you were like, I have to find a reference point for this because it's just coming up over and over and trying to find out more information about it naturally. But then it was like, inevitably, we were led to more and more spaces where it was like, there's actually a reference point for this, whether it's in what someone else has experienced, collective experiences. Um, but we started to understand that it's not going to remain a mystery forever. And inevitably all of these things are going to be seen from an objective lens. I heard recently that magic is the science that hasn't been proven or discovered yet. Mm. So it's like (laughs) we kind of were in this magic and the mystery trying to understand, seeing the puzzle pieces and being like for months and months and months, all three of us just like trying to put things together, trying to make sense of things but also not trying to like pin anything down in one place because we knew it might change. So it's like, <laughs> Oh, has it changed? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's been close to a year since all of us connected and really started to be like, let's come together with our information and let's see what, what we can understand about this or uh, make sense of here. The history almost like digging up and having our memories and our experiences with suppressed history and the memories that we have been disconnected from Mm -hmm. the relationship with God that we have, you know, been separated from. And as all these things come together, we start to land more and more of a space of like, well, here's something really, really tangible Mm -hmm. that almost feels like it may not even have any soul or life in it. Mm -hmm. But what we're experiencing in, for example, implant removal, uh, entombment removal, timeline clearing, these quantum healing terms, mm-hmm. we're seeing, oh, this is a tangibly expressed in the nervous system in these ways. So a lot of roads have led to the nervous system. And then we realize that, you know, talking about the webinar, that the light body, the energy body, the plasmic field has its own way of sensing its own intelligence Mm -hmm. and it's like a nervous system of its own. It informs us at different levels and then seeing like, well, the body does the exact same thing. And these things are fractal to one another, like they're micro to macro. And that's why the nervous system is like something that we've known about. We knew how, just like you, you're describing your story is like someone telling you like, this is all nervous system related. Well, they weren't saying this is nervous system related. They were saying it's stress related. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, how do I mitigate stress? And then tracing that right. even deeper and realizing, oh, there's subtle shifts when a certain person comes in the room or you eat a certain food. Mm-hmm. It's like your body, it's like you start getting more and more in tune with yourself. That's a journey that can take months or years for some. We have some cats downstairs, cats and dogs <laughs> that are... It sounds like they're fighting when they put the head down there. Going wild. But yeah, I mean, that's a little bit of like the story, the context of like now, instead of swinging the pendulum and being like, well, Uh it's all science now where it's all just nervous system. It's like, no, there's, we're, we're, we're trying to kind of make sense and flesh out like, okay, we have the nervous system. It reacts. Mm -hmm. It's literally reacting to a story that has been programmed into it. Mm -hmm. But then we have the light body and then seeing if you're clairvoyant or, 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 clairsentient or you can really feel what's going on in the energy in the body and around the body Mm -hmm. 
you're sensing that, okay, there's a story there too. Mm -hmm. It's probably influenced by the nervous system. Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. So the subtle body, the energetic body, Mm -hmm. all of these other parts of ourselves are all influenced by the nervous system and what the nervous system is programmed with. Yep. Well, it's like, I like that you were explaining that the way that you were, because as soon as you started saying, I was like, isn't that so cool that on our journey of just like consistently asking God, just give us the truth. We just want the truth. How much we've had to walk through, how much we have had to experience and shed Mm -hmm. so much shedding and how it has influenced our personal, you know, journey, but then our work with people and Isn't it interesting that in the pursuit of truth and in the pursuit of going deeper with God, we come back into our body. Mm -hmm. Like we get pointed right back into here. It's like it started to happen subtly. And I think I shared this with you, Bo, like in the spring after I'd had a session with Shannon, I was like, I just feel like I'm really being guided into this place of being very aware of my body in a way that I've never been aware of. All while asking God to like, I want to go deeper in my relationship with you. And God's like, okay, well, here's how we're going to do that. We're going to come back into relationship with this part of yourself that you have denied your entire life, basically. Yeah. And yeah. Well, the aspects of the self that we're disconnected from are the aspects of God that we're disconnected from. Mm-hmm. And this is, powerful. I mean, this is literally the reason why religion doesn't work because it takes you outside of yourself to find God. Yes. And God is found only through the self. And if we're not in right relationship with ourselves, we cannot be in right relationship with God. So seeking deeper relationship with God should naturally bring us back into ourselves. It's, it's amazing. I mean, just to talk about it so plainly like that to me, I'm just sitting here like, well, duh, you know, (laughs) like naturally. But, but I think because people ask God or they are, they are in pursuit of truth and they go deeper and deeper into the abyss of nothingness. And they think that that's Mm -hmm. where God is found. And instead, yeah. And instead it's just like pulling them further and further out of um, their ability to actually create anything in their life or be an active participant in their life. And definitely is not healing any trauma. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that that's how God deals with us. Yeah, I don't, I don't so you know, I, there would be no value in that. In us continuing to hold trauma, let's say in our body and be pulled out of our body and let our body continue to be traumatized. But we have a deeper relationship with God and the ethos. Yeah. Like, well, in relationship with God is not supposed to be some <clears throat> like enigma. No, no. <laughs> it is always supposed to be, well, it's as practical as us having a relationship with each other you know? Mm -hmm. And as cheesy as that may sound, I mean, I, I just think that there's like a radical shift that's available for people that puts them out of this place of like this grand mysterious being or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, field or whatever. And it's like learning how to actually be in relationship with that, you know? Well, this is making me think of something that Bo said the other day. Um, whenever you said it's as practical as having a relationship with one another, it, yes, because Bo said the other day, God is the ancestor. Yeah. It was like, if we need to have relationship with ourselves and each other and the natural world and all our relations in order to actually be in alignment with God, to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And this also comes back to the nervous system too, because ancestral trauma then is programmed into the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
Exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> at a DNA level, molecular level. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, I don't know if we talked about it in this podcast, <laughs> like in, not in this episode, but in this podcast or somewhere we talked about it. <laughs> we got a few different things going on, but as soon as you inherit your parents' genetics, it's mm-hmm. like changes your entire story. Yeah. It wipes, it's like a blank slate, completely clears out the organic ancestral memory of God. And that connection. Yeah. Well, you were sharing that with me in a conversation because you've been reading the book Waking the Tiger. Mm-hmm. And you you were sharing something with me about this elusive amnesia that gets um, discussed in the spiritual community. People are like, you know, we're under amnesia and we forget Oh, yeah, we to have remember. to pass through the veil of amnesia whenever we embody <clears throat> and all this kind of stuff. But actually, the amnesia is the reptilian brain's way of like preventing you from recalling traumatic situations and things like that. Right. It's part of the nervous system makeup. Right. Exactly. The nervous system from everything that I have gathered so far, and you know, somebody out there probably knows more about it than me, so that's okay. Um, But from what I gathered so far, you and I talked about this and it was like, when we experience trauma, the nervous system takes over and inserts itself essentially Mm -hmm. to decide for us if we will dissociate Mm -hmm. or if we will go into that fight or flight mode, Mm -hmm. like the nervous system decides what we can handle. Well, and in moments of hypervigilance too, you're only going to be aware of certain things in your surrounding that are the the threat. So this is how memory actually gets suppressed or repressed because in a traumatic situation, you're only paying attention to certain things. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that you can recall, or sometimes you don't recall things at all. But then usually whenever there's a resolution to the trauma, the, um, the actual like biological, uh, process of discharging trauma is completed. Lots of times people will have a memory recall and they'll start to remember things that actually happened from the event. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And the thing about the reptilian brain and you bringing that up is, of course, again, in the spiritual community, all of this reptilian interfacing system and all the things that get discussed around that is very much, of course, demonized because of the fracturing and the harm that can be caused in those traumatized states. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, trauma is what is inflicted on people who are put through mind control programs, you know, to Mm -hmm. reprogram the mind, what I would conflate with the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Like the nervous system and the mind being terribly linked together and part of each other. I think this is a good direction to go to kind of explain um, why we've come to the conclusion that the mind is a projection of the nervous system and how the mind is influenced by the program of the nervous system. Yeah. Um, well, and I know in the winter solstice webinar, we were talking about recognizing and understanding that the mind was an overlay And how that, you know, the nervous system is, um, it is the uh, motherboard of our entire body. I mean, everything is run from the nervous system, essentially. Um, Because if if that gets fried, we're toast. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. If if the nervous system gets fried to the point that it shuts down, our body doesn't work anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. our organs fail. You know, all of that. Um, And... That's a whole other thing, but I'm not going to get into, obviously, because I'm not an expert in that. But I understand it enough to understand that that electrical system is imperative to our ability to live, you mm-hmm. know. So if it's if it's getting 
um, pummeled or traumatized. And then like you were saying, like there are aspects of us that shut down and we've got this reptilian brain that actually processes information for us, you know, and then says, oh, we're going to, we're going to suppress these traumatic events and remove this from the traumatic experience because their nervous system wouldn't survive it Mm -hmm. to keep that held in there and things get locked away. And then we started talking about how that the mind becomes a projection from the nervous system. Like the nervous system basically has all this information programmed into it. And then the mind is like this overlay, this holographic projection that is cast from the nervous system over the true consciousness. Right. And so as you were saying that I was having this image in my head of the nervous system and the body and the electrical current moving through the body Mm -hmm. and how you're saying it's imperative. And if we don't have it, we cease to live. And I'm thinking about, well, where does the electricity in our body come from? It comes from our consciousness because that's our life animation, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so if the nervous system fails to work, then we get completely disembodied, right? Yeah. And that is... That's how... Yeah. That's how we get traumatized and programmed and... Well, that and that is like at its most, at its most, um, I guess, at the ultimate level, it would be a death experience. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's it's a critical part of our existence. Like understanding the nervous system is so important to our overall well-being. But not only that, what we're talking about today is why it's important. Why does it matter? Especially in this quantum conversation, like why does the nervous system matter to this conversation? So the nervous system, I'm just, I'm still in this image. Yeah, go ahead. The nervous system with the electrical currents moving through the body mm-hmm. are powered by the actual soul animation or the consciousness. Mm-hmm. And in my estimation, I would say yes. I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm just, I'm just (laughs) seeing it in my head. So I was just verbalizing it. I don't know. Maybe it'll go somewhere, but we'll see. It's like the body is this anchor point or conduit. It's like a metal rod in a lightning storm. It's a channel. It's a conduit. You have your field, uh, just like you have the perfect conditions to create lightning, uh, specific Formula, wave mechanics, electrical charge, plasmic energy. Mm-hmm. And that's the light body. That's the field. And the body, I've always called it the liver of the light body. Like the physical body is like the liver. It's like the processing center of, <laughs> of the light body. And everywhere that <laughs> things show up in the body that have been going on energetically, for a period of time, mm-hmm. sometimes a long period of time. And it can take a long time before they actually start showing up in the body. But, um, and that's not always how it is. Right. But well, maybe it is. There's a lot of what ifs here. There's a lot of like open ends and we don't have enough time to really flesh them out for this space, but it's almost like you have the conditions right. constantly around you and that's your intelligence. And the body, the brain, the nervous system are just perfect conduits for, like you're talking about, Danica, those electrical impulses to anchor in and create charge and create, they are just following a pathway. Mm-hmm. So energetically, it's, it's everything. I mean, what happens to your plasma intelligence, how it's disrupted is manifest in the physical body. It's telling the story, but then once it programs into the nervous system and those synapses, those pathways are 
built, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not just in the brain, but even in the nervous system. I, I, <laughs> I would go as far to speculate that even the nervous system can be like re uh, organized, reorganized. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. And I think that this is, a. Um, I mean, they've already brought that forward. I think with psychedelic use, they say that microdosing mushrooms actually restructures the synapses in the brain and I don't know why it wouldn't be able to do that in the body as well. Yeah. I mean, the nervous system. Yeah. yeah. I think that there are some functions that of course, like we would need and they, they wouldn't be able to be, like change, but whenever it comes to the way our body interprets our environment, the story that it tells, like that reptilian brain being programmed to like respond from survival state fight or flight and it's mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. in that fear response at the deepest level is a fear response but it's like a survival mechanism uh you know just like we said a perfect example earlier is if a certain person enters into the room <laughs> my cat, cat it's yeah, not a baby she's, crying <laughs> she's hunting her toys and she always does this when i come up here she tries to hunt toys and call me to come back down to see what she's killed but it's it's always a catnip filled fluffed <laughs> mouse <laughs> <laughs> little catnip mouse yeah um yeah but i think where i was going with that was like there are so many different ways before how we're talking about it now that i have been able to understand this with inner child work with understanding core traumas not mm -hmm. just inner child work but core identity and how that's formed at like the developmental ages certain periods in life based on the <laughs> zero to a hundred timeline of human life. Mm -hmm. Right. That probably isn't even very, <laughs> it's like people are kind of stuck in that. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to see us move beyond that. But even in the zero to a hundred timeline, it's like there are stages of human development and they last from this age to this age. And this is when your core identities mm -hmm. or your core belief systems. They even talk about that in yoga with like the seven chakra system, like the root chakra being ages zero to seven, the oh sacral chakra God. being seven to 14 and like the types wow. of traumas that are housed in those energy centers. And uh, as I call them trauma centers. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause now we're seeing those things dissolve in all the work that we do. And it's more of a single <clears throat> communication. Like even as all those traumas, like that's <laughs> probably accurate. Well, the chakra system that has been, identified in mysticism and esoteric work is actually probably just areas in the nervous system where mm. there's energy produced. <laughs> well, or where energy is stored. It's storing right. the trauma there. Telling so the it is along the central, it usually the seven main chakras are along the central channel, which is the energetic equivalent of the spine. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but okay. So the spinal cord is part of our nervous system. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So there's so. a practical thing, a practical way to approach all of these mm -hmm. things that we've deemed mysterious mm -hmm. and yeah. spiritual. And it's not to take anything away from the spiritual part of, of our experience. It's actually to enhance it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's, I think that's what quantum physics is trying to do because they're trying to bring energy like into the realm of science, but you can't really bring just energy without having like the whole spiritual aspect mm -hmm. in conjunction with it, because that is all spirituality is, is like energy exchange. And right. Bo, you were saying something a second ago about <clears throat> plasmic intelligence and oh my gosh, Beatrix. No, 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 no. she's, <laughs> she's looking probably, up. Yeah. She's probably right here. Is she? Uh, no, she's right there. Oh, oh. No. 
She's well, just kicking it. So you said <laughs> something about, um, oh my God. Plasmic intelligence. Plasmic intelligence yeah. and the subtle communication center through plasmic intelligence. Uh-huh. And um, it was bringing up. <sighs> like the environment being right. Well, yeah. So like, how does the, how does this uh, move into like what people call like empathic behavior and like the subtle senses being influenced by it would, they would be influenced by our nervous system. And Mm -hmm. if our nervous system is fucked up, Mm -hmm. then our senses or our subtle senses, what we would call like our psychic senses or, you know, how sensitive we are to our surroundings or how we're interpreting things are going to be fucked up. Yep. I think that, I think that there is, and intelligence that is shared and we interpret those things based on a myriad of different factors and variables from our ancestry genetic information that we inherit even almost like not just physically physical genetics because the physical genetics that we talk about are literally just energetic information that's being passed down Mm -hmm. even as you go back energetic (laughs) energetic epigenetic energies um but i think that there is an intelligence here that's shared we share space and mm-hmm. you know as that space is like anchored in and expressed through each one of us it's like there's going to be a lot of similarities here so this has been a thing of like i went through a period of healing from codependency or attachments if you want to get clinical um <laughs> but codependency and feeling like Everything externally basically anchored in my worth, my value, my importance, my purpose. Uh, And I also internalized all kinds of shame identities, core wounding, and it just like became my identity. And so building a relationship with God, which I didn't call it that, but I knew that God was the answer. It, It came from within all of those things, worth, validation, purpose, drive, pursuit, all has to come from within. It can't be anchored externally. But it was like, while I had all those wounds, which I still have, and I still operate from those places sometimes, it's like that experience of me having that experience, it's almost like it can affect you. And the reason I started saying that was, and I'm looking at Jody when I'm saying that, because <laughs> um, we're bonded at a very deep level. And I used to feel like as I was healing from all of these wounds and I need to get all of my validation from within and I can't like externally have anybody else as a part of my process if I want to be whole Mm -hmm. or healed Mm -hmm. or arrived. Uh, It was like this hyper independence where I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm like being triggered by what you said. And I know that um, it's not about me or you didn't like, it shouldn't be affecting me. But the truth is eventually I let all that bullshit go because it fucking does. Mm -hmm. Because we're sharing energy here and to think that your experience is not going to affect me or to feel like I'm supposed to be arrived at some point where no matter what's going on, I'm unaffected. Whenever I finally gave myself permission to be like, it kind of feels like bullshit. (laughs) It started to like (laughs) completely undo that thing. And I realized like, wow, yeah, I've been healing for years and years around my father or my mother, but I still won't be able to go spend a shitload of time with my father and watch him do the same things that traumatized me as a child 
right. speak the same way, interact with me energetically the same exact way from that dysfunctional place and feel like I'm totally unaffected. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that's kind of delusional to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that that's what we're seeing with the empath is like having words that are describing the nervous system. Right. What the nervous system is feeling. Right. Because it's anchoring all that intelligence messages that are being sent through the ether, you know, and it's like the, on a physics level, all of that intelligence, that waveform, that memory is being anchored into our bodies mm-hmm. and it moves through mm-hmm. our synapses, mm-hmm. it moves through our bodies, it hits our chest a certain way, it hits our gut a certain way, it hits our head a certain way. Yeah. It's so interesting that you're saying all this because we've been talking about these things since you and I listened to that interview, but when I listened to this interview a week or so ago around the nervous system and about trauma specifically in the nervous system and, um, the lady that was sharing the information, she does work with people around their nervous system. She does inner child work, which is definitely nervous system work, stuff like that. And she was explaining information about the nervous system, which was news to me, things that I had not known. Uh, previously. And she started sharing how the nervous system works and the different parts of the nervous system, the different nervous systems that we have, all this stuff. And she said something that was so like shocking. I, I had listened to the uh, interview on a recording and so I paused it and I was like, hold up a minute. Whoa, this has massive implications because she started talking about that. Our nervous system is, um, you know, obviously we experience all kinds of trauma through birth. We experience trauma in our childhood and all of that informs our nervous system. And then our nervous system, you know, like I said before, it takes over in trauma, traumatic situations. It, it, um, will either cause us to dissociate. It pulls us out of our body in, um, very traumatizing events to protect us Mm -hmm. basically. (laughs) So it's, it's whole motivation is to protect us, which Mm -hmm. sounds bizarre because we're like, but we're traumatized and you're all messed up. You know what I mean? But it's to protect our body. It's well, it's for survival because survive. it's part of the reptilian brain, mm-hmm. which is the survival base of living. Like we just survive whatever we got to do. And so I'm listening to this and she says, the thing that people don't often recognize is that whenever you are um, a traumatized person, which we all are, And uh, based on your levels of trauma, your nervous system has its own perception and it is called neuroception. And so your nervous system perceives other people's nervous systems when you're engaging and when you're in a space with people. And so your nervous system is constantly assessing risk or harm in other people's nervous systems because our nervous systems communicate with each other. That is how we interact. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold the phone. Oh my God. And I told Bo, I said, this is what people are calling being empaths. Mm-hmm. They're saying that they're <coughs> empathic because they feel everything that happens around them. But what is happening is their nervous system is informing them danger danger, danger, Will Robinson, you know, like do not move forward. Or, you know, she said, she said the nervous system can sense a drop in temperature, a shift in mood, any little thing. That's why you'll be with people sometimes and you might even be annoyed by it, but somebody will be like, what's wrong? What's happening? And you're like sitting there quiet, but something in you has shifted something in you. You're thinking about something Mm -hmm. you're in your head. You're swirling in your thoughts and it's affecting your body and somebody picks up on it in your space. Now, 
in the spiritual community, people are like, oh my gosh, I'm just so empathic. I feel everything. It's so hard for me to be around people because I feel everything. It's like, no, baby, you are highly traumatized and your nervous system is out of whack. <laughs> it's called hypervigilance. Right. That's what she said. She was like, this is, this is why people become hypervigilant. And I was like, oh my God, I think I'm so aware. And actually I'm just really freaking traumatized yeah. because I am, I am a very <clears throat> hyper aware person. And I had to like sit with that for a minute and then go back through my childhood mm-hmm. and be like, oh, this is why. Like, well, and God. the nervous system seeks out according to your trauma it will seek out any potential threat or reminder of the trauma that would make your physical body unsafe. And that constant state of seeking that hypervigilance, always being on guard, it actually creates adrenal fatigue. It creates exhaustion. Right. Oh my God. Yes. Amen. Right here. (laughs) Like that's what I'm working on right now. But it's just like, we were having that conversation. I was like, Whoa, I said, we have to look at this from a different perspective now because She's saying this is what causes people to pick up on everything in their surroundings mm-hmm. and feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. in their space with other people. It's why people are like, I just can't be around a lot of people because mm-hmm. I just feel everything. I'm so empathic. And it's like, well, no, that's not actually probably true. There's probably a, a fried nervous system yeah, that we're dealing with. Extra sensitive because you're right. traumatized and your nervous system is seeking out threats. Yeah. To protect you. To protect you. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. It's like it exhausts our body. And um, so it, it kind of cracked open a conversation <clears throat> around being an empath or being empathic. It's a constant state of reorientation mm-hmm. of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there's been so much virtue in being empathic. And then I know for a while in the spiritual community, it was all this inverted empath, inverted empath, inverted empath. And then empowered empath. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Which I never heard of that one. Em- empowered empath sounds like a sympathetic person. Mm. Like sympathy. Wouldn't that be like sim, like symbiotic, you know, but so... pathy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Symbi- the way that I've heard it explained to me and path. actually the way that I used to explain it was that the empowered empath is able, yes, to sympathize with people without having attachment or internal attachment. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the empathy is emp- empathy. <laughs> it's like you're taking it on. Yeah. So it's like it's the inversion of sympathy, right? It would it be sounds like yeah. It sounds well, like codependent. <laughs> Exactly. It sounds like trauma. I know. I know. And, you know, we, that's been, my journey with this has been, gosh, not even having the slightest clue about what was going on because I was so detached from my body and I had no idea what my wounds were. I had no, I just had symptoms and I was a wild, crazy motherfucker. (laughs) And then I had, you know, I started to do inner child work and learn about my wounds, Mm -hmm. learn about how I perceived my life from the lens of my wounded child and then tried to reparent that while like rewriting my story and making everything mean something good for myself, like making all the the hurts and the traumas, uh, not about me anymore. Uh, even the things that I did were just because I was a, you know, some of these things are true, you know, like a lot of it's true, but it's like, you know, having to break the cycles and do generational trauma clearing and healing with my ancestors and looking at my family dynamics and being like, Oh wow. I'm just literally a product of my environment, cutting myself some slack 
um, taking accountability for what I can, and then going into the hyper independence, mm-hmm. which I think hyper independence, I don't think is, uh, I think it was probably another trauma response for me. Um, and I think that sympathy was something that I haven't understood until I literally just thought about it. What did you just say? Sympathy. Oh. <laughs> what did it sound like? There was something else that you were saying and I was like, what? No, go ahead. Hyper independence. So I'm thinking about, cause we say there's <laughs> empathy, sympathy, apathy, apathy. So you can be empathetic, sympathetic, <laughs> apathetic, or straight up pathetic. <laughs> straight up pathetic. What is that? There's no root on top of that. Pathetic. Pathy. Pathy. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, man. I think that this is just, I mean, it's a good conversation, but empathy being like, I'm taking on everything from my environment because that's anchored in, in me. Mm-hmm. And it's like my nervous system is agreeing <laughs> that coherence, you know, it's created. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what you're experiencing, I'm agreeing with that, mm-hmm. you know, which is why it's so important to have surroundings or at least someone who can hold it down. And even that person can't hold it down all the time. And so- they need an anchor every now and then. So let's get this straight. So sympathy is actually like being able to feel for someone without taking it on. Yes. It's, it's like ha- with empathy. <clears throat> empathy is taking it on. Attachment. That's a fr- that's trauma. You're mm-hmm. traumatized. Mm-hmm. Apathy is also a trauma response. A trauma response because you're dissociated. Yeah. Right. It's the opposite end of the spectrum the from empathy. Mm-hmm. So sympathy. But then let's th- let's talk about sympathy from the let's see from the lens of sympathetic nervous system or parasympathetic nervous system yeah. so do we need to be parasympathetic then so parasympathetic nervous system is sympathetic nervous system is the fight flight mm-hmm. or freeze response mm-hmm. parasympathetic is regulated by the vagus nerve right so it is um it's more rest part- digest mm-hmm. Well, this makes sense. Okay, hold up. I'm having a realization. <laughs> this is making sense to me because uh, we're going to kind of get into a little bit of not necessarily woo-woo stuff, but um, things that I'm not about to try to back up with case studies or any of that bullshit. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to – that bullshit. I, I'm Who gonna, needs evidence? You know, Anecdotes all the way. This is, this is that one disclaimer that we – this is that one disclaimer that we said in like episode one or two. I think I said it and I was like, some of the shit that I say on this podcast is going to be straight up just what I have to say. It's going to be like, right. that's it. Right. That's what and this is about. I may not exactly. be right, subject to change. Like Jody says, hold your beliefs loosely. They are irrelevant to the truth. <clears throat> it's, I'm thinking about the sympathetic nervous system being like you said, fight or flight. I'm thinking about the reptilian interfacing system, which is an artificial plug-in mm-hmm. that happens through genetic engineering. Uh, and it is also the thing that I have seen in field work, like quantum field work, seeing clairvoyantly this plugged in to directly into the base of the skull, all the way down the spinal column, directly mm-hmm. into the tailbone as well. 
not just the, the quote unquote reptilian tail that you may hear some people talking about, but it's like all the way from the brainstem. It's like an artificial brainstem mm -hmm. that like hijacks the nervous system, hijacks <coughs> the heart coherence, the heart consciousness, and keeps us plugged into that reptilian brain with all these different injections and fluids mm -hmm. that we've seen coming out of the light body, coming out of the physical body. Um, black goo is another one. If anyone's ever heard of black goo, it is a, uh, a parasitic organism that we've seen in the field uh, and then heard about through other formats, testimonials. Um, it's the opposite of plasma, mm -hmm. right? Living organic plasma. It's like the, the opposite of it. I would say that it it's is, basically it's the embodiment of consumption and mm -hmm. parasitic fear Whereas response. Organic like, intelligent plasma is like creation. Yeah. Think like yeah. Venom, like the movie Venom. Venom. Like that's that's a soft disclosure as to black goo, black cubes, black cube network, Saturn mm -hmm. matrix. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> oh my gosh. So much. And so that organism, because it's not just a consciousness, it's an, it's a being, it's a race. And it has to create an environment that is symbiotic with itself. Mm -hmm. It has to create its own coherence. It cannot feed on love. Right. So it has to create an environment that is operating on those same principles of the fear response, fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Symbiosis with this black goo would create the sympathetic nervous system that you just described. Described. So that root word sim, like the symbiotic, and that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> you, see, you know where I was going yeah, with that? What, what? Sim. Simulation. Exactly, because that's what's going on most of the time is our, our nervous system is simulating our environment. Mm -hmm. It's like... This is do live in a simulation. <laughs> exactly, because we can well, be we do, in our wounds. Yeah, we can be in our wounds. I, can, I mean, I can be in a wound and have a wound triggered and be completely delusional to what's actually going on. Exactly. And I think that you're actually saying something to me, like my nervous system is hearing different words completely. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's no way I can take what you said out of your mouth and make it make sense with what my body's doing. Right. Because I'm just like completely having a different response from a story mm -hmm. that my nervous system has been programmed with. I'm having so much come up right now. <laughs> oh my God. Do, and I knew this was going to happen. Do share. We're I'm just, in the same I'm space. Just, yeah. I'm just thinking about the sympathetic nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system and how, when you go into, when you go into a sympathetic response, your body actually will pull energy. So that's yep. why people who have sleep disorders, yep. they, they don't digest properly because, because parasympathetic regulation from the vagus nerve is rest and digest. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the relaxation. Mm -hmm. Your body is expending energy to rest and digest. But if you're in a constant state of sympathetic response, then your body is not, um, it, it's not sending energy to those or, or allotting organs, energy yeah. to those organs or those places in the body that are conducive to rest and digestion. Mm -hmm. And so, <clears throat> This, this is bringing me into the modern world being designed to keep us in a state of constant sympathetic response and collective re-traumatization yep. mm -hmm. for nervous system dysregulation yes. to break down the self, to break down communities. Yep. 
to harvest Gee. consciousness. Yeah. You know, the consciousness is what's needed. The consciousness is needed for the um, continuance of alternate timelines, alternate realities, all of the things. It's why we talked about the mind overlays. It's like mm -hmm. if we can get pushed out of our body where our consciousness is not accessible to us, our organic consciousness, right? Because living in the trauma response of our body of like our nervous system is programmed with all these traumas <coughs> and we build our life around how to keep ourselves safe based on mm -hmm. those senses from the nervous system. We pattern our life, our life trajectory when it is unhealed and unexamined, then our trajectory is basically planned out by a traumatized nervous system. And so mm -hmm. we fulfill whatever that path is. And go ahead, Bo. I know you're over here about to bust. Well, I'm just, yeah, <laughs> I was just going to clarify, like, well, you said parasympathetic is basically the relaxed nervous system. It is the parasympathetic response is, um, one that's like, it's regulated by the vagus nerve. And so it is rest, digest, relaxation. Yeah. So it's basically like if you're chilled out and you're actually thinking something through, that would be like a parasympathetic response. It doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with like thought process or anything. It is just a. It's more of an anchored space yeah. in the body where you're. Okay. Like it's an, in like an embodied space. So, it's not a stress response. Right. So the word, the root para. So I'm thinking like paralysis, paralyzed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, is para? That's a we good need to look etymology. that up yeah. because then it would be if it does have something to do with freezing or immobilizing. Mm -hmm. or not being able to move into a certain space. It's like you have the sympathetic, sympathetic, which is the symbiotic with the rep, with the reptile brain, the fight or Peace flight or portion. Oh, okay. A part. Mm, oh, hold on. Is part beside or adjacent to like paramedic paradox, paramilitary parachute. It's going to come up with words. Yeah. yeah it's like beside Okay. Or adjacent to. Okay. The prefix para. So I thought I was developing a brand new concept there. If it has anything to So what is paralysis? <clears throat> because if sympathetic nervous system response is fight or flight and parasympathetic is basically like the, the putting that to sleep. You're not in a fear response, you're not in a fight or flight. It's mm -hmm. basically like has completely sedated that mm. that's what I, well, that's where I was going yeah to. and so the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous systems are subdivisions of the autonomic nervous system mm -hmm. nervous system if I'm re remembering correctly so which means that it's the automatic it's involuntary responses that your body has and the yeah so parasympathetic is like reduced arousal relaxation, rest, digest, and uh -huh. then sympathetic is hyper arousal mm -hmm. because there's a stress situation and you're going to have to fight, flight, or go immobile, freeze. Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean numbness is a part of a, a parasympathetic? Like no. if you're numb or apathetic? No. Mm -mm. Okay. I feel like that, that would be a portion of the sympathetic because it is oh, you're right. yeah, part right. of dissociation. Yeah. And dissociation yeah. is an aspect of the like it's hyper arousal um and then like you either go into dissociation or fight or flight and then like re reorientation of your surroundings to discern whether or not you're actually at risk again and See, then yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and that's the completion of the response is like re mm -hmm. reorientation yeah 
Yeah, it was, yeah, we were sitting there listening to all this. It's so funny. I love that this is developing this way because this is the very thing that Bo's like, I don't think we need to get very much into all the different aspects. <laughs> Here we are. Let's just break it down, okay? Um, that was just me trying to stay in my lane and be like, I can't talk about something I don't understand. <laughs> well, but questions are good. No, but in the interview, she was talking about all these things, and then she said, she was talking about like hyper, you know, aware and that that neuroception that we have. Like that's what we have, and I'm like, oh my god. But it also made me think. Okay, so neuroception is making us heightened to our surroundings but it's also creating a perception of sorts. Mm -hmm. It's a neuroception, but it's a perception, which definitely influences the things we pick up on outside of ourselves. So the things that we might feel like we perceive about people is actually largely coming from our nervous system picking up on those things in somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I started to laugh and I thought, Oh my gosh, like people, you know, in traumatized states that haven't addressed these parts of themselves moving around thinking they're so intuitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and also too, like whenever you're perceiving your nervous system, if it's traumatized, you're perceiving something about someone else. It's not necessarily that they're a threat, but there's something in them that is reminding that your nervous system is like, Oh, this is reminding me Mm -hmm. of that time. I was not Mm -hmm. safe. Mm -hmm. And so this actually comes back to that, um, uh, that old adage. That's like how you perceive people is a reflection of yourself. (laughs) Right. We're right back at new age teachings. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I was just like, I was listening to that and I was laughing and I'm like, gosh, there's people who think they're so perceptive. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like, I'm just very perceptive. I just understand. It's like your nervous system is doing that for you. Actually, yeah. like you begin to perceive differently whenever you start to heal exactly. your traumas, when your nervous system be- starts to become more regulated, and <clears throat> then your your plasmic intelligence, your the right. way that you're communicating with your surroundings is not coming from a wounded place anymore. So then you're you're the way that you're sensing things mm-hmm. um, through your subtle senses is going to shift and change and evolve and probably become more accurate because you're not actually perceiving from a wound. Well, and this is why I had the, the conversation with you. The webinar. Yeah. I had this conversation with you about the enteric nervous system, which the, the enteric nervous system is housed in the gut. Mm-hmm. It's housed there. And this was another eye-opening thing that I just kind of like flashed in. I was like, oh my God, because our gut, you know, right now there is a big push in healing communities to heal our guts, you know, leaky Mm -hmm. gut and having like all kinds of toxins and stuff moving through our bodies because our gut has been so ravaged by poor nutrition and GMOs and glyphosate and all this other stuff, right? So people are on these kicks to restore their uh, biome and all this stuff. And then, you know, from a spiritual place, and I'm going to say spiritual, you know, people are always talking about that you can trust your gut. And I'm like, well, whoa, 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 (laughs) not necessarily. If that part of our anatomy is dysregulated Mm -hmm. and is not functioning well, if we have digestive issues And then we want to trust our gut when we get a little punch there because something happens or comes up or we feel a feeling in our stomach. It's down deep in our gut. Um, 
that is our nervous system. I feel literally trying to protect us, which great. Thank you, nervous system, for trying to protect us. But we're using that as our GPS system mm-hmm. to guide us through our life, and it's dysregulated. And I'm like, oh yep. my gosh. I just looked up the enteric nervous system, and the, the other name for it is the intrinsic nervous system. Mm. It's also one of the other main divisions of the autonomic nervous system. So, and this, I know I told you this, but I'm going to repeat it again for the podcast. But this brought up something that I've been saying for so long. And I didn't know that it was called the enteric nervous system, but obviously I knew that the gut was the second brain, right? It holds about 70% of our body's neuroreceptors. And I have had this conspiracy for, I don't know how long that the reason why our food is so misregulated, Mm -hmm. dysregulated, misregulated and controlled and poisoned is specifically to target the brain to target the gut because the gut gut is the second brain. (laughs) Yep. And when you said it to me, I was like, that makes complete sense because yeah. The proteins that make up the gut lining, I could be mistaken. This is a couple (laughs) of years ago. I heard this for the first time when I was learning about leaky gut because my mom had a, she, she went through lupus and then healed her lupus and she's been thriving physically for a, a long time just by healing her gut. But it's like the proteins, I think that make up the gut lining are the same ones the that... epithelial cells are you talking about the cells or well i, I don't know that word okay <laughs> so i think that there i think that there's two proteins so that make up that that gut lining so if your gut lining basically looks like chicken wire or mesh and it can have all these food particles and toxins and waste <coughs> particles like flowing through it that same makeup that makes up your gut lining is the blood brain barrier that's what your blood brain barrier is made of Mm. So, so if that's dysregulated and that's dysregulated, leaky yeah. gut is directly linked to <clears throat> neurological, yeah. Yeah. mental illness, yep. neurological and disorders. leaky gut. So the way that I used to describe it to my clients and y'all can't see me, but I'm interlacing my fingers, <laughs> the epithelial lining of the cell, of the, like the cells of the gut mm-hmm. look like a zipper kind mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. So whenever, yes. whenever they get inflamed, that's everything just leaks out yep. through those gaps and then it causes more chronic inflammation and, and an autoimmune response because the stuff that's leaking out of the gut, your body's like, Whoa, 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 what's this? Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, Bo, what you said. So the, mm, the blood brain barrier, blood brain barrier. And so whenever you have all of these toxins leaking from your gut, which is informing you at a neurological level, neurologically it's affecting you at this point in the conversation, your nervous system is going into complete cyclone mode, not knowing what the hell is going on. I mean, right. you can, uh, it can start raining and you're just like, <laughs> my life is ending, <laughs> you know, just having a panic attack or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then your those toxins are moving through your bloodstream, going directly into your brain, feeding your brain. And because your gut is so leaky, your brain is going to be leaky, yeah. leaky brain. This is like <clears throat> a thing too. I just actually looked it up and it is, uh, yeah, the gut microbiota <laughs> influences the blood-brain barrier permeability. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. There's a microbiome connection between the gut immune barrier is what it's called and the blood-brain barrier. Mm-hmm. So you straight up can totally become a shithead. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? This is where 
reminds me of something that my dad told me one time. He was like, don't hold in your farts because if you hold in your farts, they travel upward because heat rises and they go to your brain and you get shitty ideas. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. Shithead with shitty ideas talking shit on the quantum, quantum shit show. Oh my God. So funny. Well, yeah. The, the gut conversation is like, <laughs> I don't know, whenever all that came up and we weren't talking about it in in depth like this but i was just realizing about the nervous system and like those sensory uh those oh those god. sensors basically nerve endings in our gut and i'm like oh my gosh and people are talking about you know that this is the seat of our intuition this is where our intuition mm-hmm. is you know you can trust your gut and i'm like no 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 there's more to this story because if it's not in good health then it is acting out of trauma I'm just thinking about what you said, Bo, and I'm just like, this is just really, really solidifying my whole conspiracy around <laughs> the, uh, food control, food right. and water poisoning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. As it being a form of mind control. So that that's yes. why I said earlier, like, there's so many different ways to break this down. And if anyone is listening to this and feeling overwhelmed, and be like, oh my God, there's so much work to do. <laughs> Just be patient. It just starts with you. Yeah. Yeah, Just be patient with yourself. And, and, you know, sometimes it is the best thing to do to just put all the information down, put all the books down. And some, we have to do this with ourselves. I mean, there's times I'm like, I can't even read another article today. I can't look at another Instagram post. I can't look at, you know, I can't even listen to another podcast or whatever, because the capacity for me to be able to do that comes from where where I'm feeling sustained in my relationship with God. And if I feel like I can take on information or if I feel like there's something I want to try to integrate or try, um, it inevitably comes from this for me personally, it inevitably comes from how, uh, sustained I actually feel at a spiritual level and physical though. Yeah. Like you cannot, have one without the other, which no. is why us putting everything down and then just focusing on the spiritual inevitably led us to info, but it's not just information. It's just how the body works. Right. It's not even just information for the sake of knowledge. <laughs> we need to know how the body works because we inhabit the body. Right. I mean, if, if we spent the 18 years, 17, 18 years in America, I don't know how, if it's the same amount of time that people spend in public school or private school education, sometimes even longer, sometimes twice that. If we spent the first formative years of our lives really knowing what's going on with us, how we work. Not- I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I can hardly like keep from laughing while he's talking and waving these little mallets. mallets. I wish you guys could see Bo right now. He's been- I have two mallets and they're going crazy over here. Um, because I'm like drumming on myself and also thinking. Yeah, sorry, like, I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. You know, we get so filled up with pointless bullshit that we never use. And I know that this is cliche and most people really do know this, that we don't even learn about our nervous systems. I mean, we spend mm-hmm. more time anchoring and solidifying s- pointless, useless, inaccurate <clears throat> yeah. information. Well, we're being indoctrinated to be a cog in the machine. We're <clears throat> being trained to be good slaves. Right. That's the whole point of the public school system. I'm doing our little intro every time. Like, this is good. <clears throat> For emphasis. Yeah. You know, 
this whole conversation and all this stuff around the nervous system and like it's linked to so much of how we interact with each other. So she got into the conversation in the interview about, you know, that we're wired for connection and community, obviously that our nervous systems literally are the wiring that say that we need to be in relationship with people. And she started talking about self-regulation and co-regulation. And I'm like, whoa, you know? Mm -hmm. So then she starts explaining all this stuff about how people regulate their nervous systems and their, their ways of doing that. And she's like, you know, if you're not able to self-regulate, then you will seek out people. Maybe you'll seek out other, you know, things like nature or a pet or whatever to co-regulate your nervous system. And, oh, it brought so much up for me because I was like, you know, I came out of a really traumatic long-term relationship where my nervous system was shot to hell by the time I left that relationship. I, I thought I was dying actually. And um, I probably would have if I would have stayed, but it was because my nervous system was so dysregulated and it was being pummeled constantly with more trauma over and over and over again, re-traumatized. And the person that I was with was completely incapable of regulating their own nervous system. So I was constantly, without knowing it, without consciously being aware of that, I was constantly trying to keep my nervous system intact. And I was just trying to stay calm, you know, and my body was like, I just don't want to be stressed out, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that what I was looking for was a way to regulate my nervous system because I didn't have a language for it. I didn't have the awareness and listening to her say that I was like, Oh my God. And so then I started to realize like, Oh my God, this has to do with like personality types. Like people think they're introverted or extroverted when really it's just their regulation style. Mm-hmm. You know, like some people just need to be alone in a quiet room and they're like, I just, I can, you know, be refreshed and spending time alone because they are able to self-regulate and other people are like, I like to be around people because that's how they regulate. They co-regulate with other people's nervous systems. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, my mind is blown. <clears throat> so they use other people and they siphon other people's energy. So this, this for me is like redefining what it means to actually siphon energy from someone. Right. You're trying to draw energy from their nervous system because their nervous system is more regulated than yours at that time. Right. In so many cases. And, mm-hmm. and the thing is, I think people do this ignorantly, you know, their body is just directing them because their, their nervous system is looking for safety. Right. And so it's like, it motivates them. So I don't know. I, I think there are people who do all kinds of things to siphon and, and siphoning can happen in so many ways. So but subtly. It's so subtle, but honestly, I think most people do it so ignorantly. Mm-hmm. Like it's exactly. just so ignorantly. They, they, they really are not aware. And so then I'm telling Bo, I'm like, Oh my God. I said, we have a problem here because people are out in healing communities wanting to become healers in the community. <laughs> Because they want to regulate their nervous system. That's what's going With on. With other people. Yeah. And they want to go provide healing for others because they themselves are longing for healing, which we've talked about for how long now? How long have we mm-hmm. talked about that healers are the ones who want to be healed, right? And so they go yeah. offer their healing services. the concept of the wounded healer. Right. That is that is it. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're was out. It, was it Young who brought that forward? The concept the of the wounded, wounded, healer? wounded healer? I, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's who it was. Yeah. We, we talked about this yeah, before I so. and I told Bo, I said, this is, this is important to bring forward because if people are not conscious of this, then when they go into these spaces with other people, whether it's a container that they create or quantum session work or healing session work of any kind, you know, those that there's a transference there that happens. Right. And it's like, 
we naturally gravitate to the people whose nervous system we can be compatible with or we think can hold us in our crazy ass shit, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll, our nervous system is like, <clears throat> where is it the calmest? That's where I want to go. However, what we don't realize is that a lot of times those people who have this persona or this like putting out of like, I am going to walk you through this right. process. I have my shit together. Right. <laughs> are actually highly traumatized. Boy, sit your ass down. <laughs> and they're co-regulating. Yeah. They co-regulate with their pets. They co-regulate with people in their space. They co-regulate with their clients. Yeah. This is making me think of a friendship <clears throat> that I had where, you know, I, this person always told me that I was a pillar of strength for them mm. and that we were stronger together or that I calmed them or my presence like meant so much to them and stuff like that. And it wasn't too long after I started, you know, spending more time with this person that my health started failing. Oh my God. And I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about like, you know, siphoning and the Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. co-regulation and creating dysregulation and and who you're co-regulating with because you're dysregulated. You You have to create this symbiotic environment. Like, I think this sheds a lot of light into what parasitic consciousness is at its core because it's just fear and it allows us the opportunity, I think, in this conversation to bring so much compassion and understanding to not only ourselves, but to the table. Right. Because I think malevolence whenever it comes to, and this is for me, I'm literally saying this to myself, but also just in this space is like malevolence and nefarious activity or conspiracy I'm seeing, which I have seen this before, but then I kind of got in the space of like, no, this is intentionally being done to cause harm. I think that that can happen, but what malevolence is at its core is just fear, fear driving Mm -hmm. survival responses. Mm -hmm. And these people, I think of myself is like, I was just trying to have my needs met. Every time I was acting from a place of like siphoning somebody else or being parasitic or um, even like acting in energetic predatory ways Mm -hmm. of like I see this person as a prey not just in this sort of like really extreme examples of sexual prey but I'm talking about energetic prey Mm -hmm. something that I know I can go into and dominate the situation is like the drives of the ego and these things that yes there is this like kind of surface level like these people are causing harm they're doing this thing it's malevolent But I think at the core, there is benevolence there. And I don't know if that thing is necessarily ever lost or if there's any depth that you can't like come out of even these beings that were designed and created like the black goo. It's like these beings that were created Mm -hmm. from this structure. I mean, nothing's created without the creation blueprint. Right. Right. Nothing is. Even the things that are artificially created are on the basis of truth. And it doesn't mean that these things are true or that they're from truth in the same sense. It's that the truth has to be harnessed at some level to create anything. Even if it's 99.9% bullshit or artificial synthetic or parasitic, Mm -hmm. uh, fear-driven response, uh, reptilian mind, fight or flight, there has to be some spark somewhere in there of life, of truth, of eternal connection of plasmic intelligence, even if it is 
only there to create the thing and then it's automatically disrupted. It's like I'm seeing people, myself, big picture, entire races, cosmic races in the, the story of Earth, in the big picture of what's going on on Earth. Like you said, babe, ignorance. Mm-hmm. It's not even just that these beings are trying to enslave entire populations of different races, humanity as a whole, or even different galactic races, whatever, whatever people subscribe to, whatever it is, it all comes down to the same energetics. You're either creating or consuming. And these beings are trying so desperately to meet their own needs because they're so far regressed Mm -hmm. in their consciousness or in their body's ability Mm -hmm. to feel anything which is where the apathy comes from in some of these races i mean if there may be some people listening to this be like i don't even subscribe to this This is bullshit there may be some people who are listening to this like yes exactly i know what kinds of races you're talking about um but it's like they're just ignorant they just don't know. Are you saying are that some of these galactic races who could potentially be the cause for the enslavement of all humanity on the earth are actually just highly traumatized and looking for ways to meet their uh, meet their basic needs exactly. and they do not know how to manage or regulate themselves? Exactly. I think that the the imprisonment and the slavery is a byproduct of this consciousness that will stop at nothing to meet its own to survive it will stop at nothing so and so this would be the collective reptilian brain (laughs) it is it is the the collective consciousness of the shadow identity the ego that humanity like duality that's created here in this realm so i'm thinking about how humans humans are are pretty uh, unique when it comes to storing trauma and being traumatized. And it's not really until animals come in contact with humans that animals can even really be traumatized, right? Through um, continual like torture and things Mm -hmm. like that. And what makes us so unique in our ability to actually store trauma within our body is the coexistence of the reptilian brain and the neocortex the neocortex is sometimes called the rational brain Mm. Mm. and the rational brain tries to use that logic override Uh. to try to, I guess, thwart the natural process of the discharge of, of, of energy, supercharged energy in the body. And then whenever that process is incomplete, it becomes stored as trauma. And then we become traumatized, like, and we're looping that energy. So I'm just, I'm thinking about, (laughs) (laughs) what this could mean as far as like the coexistence of the neocortex and the reptilian brain in the human body and how they find that they clash. And that's what makes us so unique in actually being traumatized. Mm. I mean, think about cattle, all right, because there's a massive beef production in the United States and worldwide, but really in the United States. And you have an entire species, an entire population that humans aren't going around going, we're going to enslave and imprison this specific race because we just want to, <laughs> you know, it's like, there's a need but there. We need it to eat. And yeah, even though that need is debated them. at so this we're point consuming them. is not the point. Yeah, exactly. It is. Well, from an indigenous standpoint, even vegans are 
cultivating and enslaving plant relatives, harvesting, <laughs> harvesting and consuming the plant relatives, yep. right? We're still consuming, <laughs> yep. harvesting. We're in a reality that is based on consumption mm-hmm. for yes. survival. So yes. it's the same thing. And I think that this is shifting even in myself <clears throat> during this conversation is like, there is a fear response in me or a trauma response when connecting back to seeing myself in this world, my life, the timeline of events, how I feel like I've kind of put the pieces together in a way of understanding like, wow, my life was totally manufactured from outside in almost. And then even like as those core beliefs were formed from an inside out, some, some of these things I created, but like you said, Danica, to be a cog in the wheel to serve a society that inevitably feeds energetically speaking a specific consciousness that's just trying to create symbiosis for itself because it cannot live Mm -hmm. in the presence of that love response like the opposite of what fear would be which is why whenever you're in uh unconditional love or you're in a state of of Whenever you're in that state, you can't be fed off of, you can't be infiltrated, you can't be hijacked and you can't be traumatized like from that place. You're just in love and for you to be harvested off of, you have to be in that fear response right? because it makes you weak. Yeah, this is, this is major because I'm thinking about- It makes about, you permeable. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking about this in relationship to dark attack right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're in that fear response, your nervous system is definitely, you're collapsed. So whether you're in a dissociative state or, you know, whatever, it's like, um, (laughs) it's like, I think Danica, I think you and I were talking about this, about how the the nervous system, if it is in a hypervigilant state, right? Assessing risk, assessing where there is harm or trauma in other people, and then feeling like every time you step outside your front door, there's a chance that you're going to encounter some energy that is then going to, you know, create some kind of collapse in your <clears throat> quote unquote field, mm-hmm. you know, and really what's going on is that your nervous system is not stable. Mm-hmm. Well, and that collapse <clears throat> comes from the exhaustion of being hypervigilant. Yes. So it can feel like what people are calling dark attack, spiritual attack mm-hmm. or whatever is, is happening to them when they're encountering other places they're in. It always happens like when they're out, you right. know, like I'm getting dark attacked or I, or maybe they're at home and they are getting spiritually attacked. I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, entities or beings that won't look for opportunities to siphon off of us mm-hmm. when we are in a collapsed state. We, when we are in that place of like that fear, because it contracts us, it brings, yeah, yeah, it brings, it creates like holes mm-hmm. in what we would call the plasmic or light body. Yeah. And so then we're susceptible. Correction. We're susceptible not only to the energetics around us, that's when our body is the most susceptible to what we call sickness. Mm-hmm. So we can be in a space. I said this to you, I was <clears> like, <throat> if our nervous systems are not regulated and we don't know how to do that for ourselves and we're in a stressed state and then we go put ourselves in situations with other people where more stress is likely to happen. We now make our body susceptible to what we call sickness, but it, what it is, is the body attempting to express like 
I'm under stress and mm-hmm. I have something that I got to get out of here basically. Mm-hmm. And well, and this is also <clears throat> making me sometimes think too, that this, this dysfunctional co-regulation that we experience between nervous systems with people is sometimes misconstrued as a contagion that mm-hmm. we, that this is how like germs are passed to one another. <laughs> oh. right? It's like germ theory, but it's like, right are they really germs or are we picking up on other people's dysregulation and then mirroring that (laughs) and mirroring that it feels like a contagion. Because it's coherent. Right. Exactly. (laughs) There's some kind of coherence. Everything's a fucking lie. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And it's like, um, when I was even considering this whole thing around like the nervous system and it's, it's need to, um, sync up with whatever is going on in its space essentially, Mm -hmm. or finding its way into that syncopation. And I'm like talking to Bo about dark attack. I'm talking to him about, I'm like, no, this is a collapsed nervous system. The nervous system is literally in like Mm -hmm. survival mode and people are calling what they're experiencing outside of them as like this dark attack, the spiritual attack. And it's like, no. Oh my God. And you know what else? Part of the dissociation of like the nervous system when it sends you into dissociation, hallucination is a part of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not. It's it's not, but it but it's funny because it's true. Because it's like we it tickles because it's true. Because you know we've watched this happen not only for ourselves but with other people, and it's like, yo, it ain't all mystery and woo woo crazy. Like actually we just need to look at what's going on inside. And she said something in the interview that was really powerful. She's like, if you're a person that does not know how to self-regulate and you are constantly looking to hook up and co-regulate with people, your pet, your whatever, um, this would be an area for you to begin practicing what it looks like to self-regulate. And I'm like, that's part of the conversation I want to get. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't want to like scare people off from like, if they feel called to do healing work, I just think it's important to examine what is the motivation behind it? Is there unresolved trauma Mm -hmm. that you may need to address for yourself in your own nervous system, in your own body Mm-hmm. So that you can be, and what we call anchored is actually a, a nervous system that has been regulated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think it's better too to understand how you can support the spiritual work that you're doing, or vice versa, how you can spiritually support the physical work that you're doing. Because, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think that we need to, <laughs> this is going to trigger some people, I'm sure, but we need to be realistic here whenever we're. Whenever we feel like we have something that we want to offer to people or we want to facilitate healing work for people, we need to look at ourselves and be like, can we facilitate healing for ourselves? If we can't walk walk ourselves through or regulate ourselves, we cannot offer that to other people. If we are tailspinning, we cannot offer support for people or hold anything for people while we're in a tailspin or if our life is tailspinning. So this is not one of those things where it's like fake it till you make it. Does that, no, that actually yeah. just please does don't not do work. that. Building it doesn't con- work. That's inauthentic. Building a container is it's not going to save you <laughs> right. from the shit that you've been in. Yes. Say it again louder. Building a container <laughs> or holding. T- well, and there's this nuance with service work too, because you can be of service and show up in service while you're in your shit and mm-hmm. it will kind of pull you out. But, but we're talking about a, saying you're going to hold a other safe people. space to hold people through their clearing of trauma, their mm-hmm. healing experiences, their unearthing <clears throat> of, 
you know, their own memory, ancestral memory, clearing things out of their light body, having conversations with them, praying. Okay. I ain't hating on praying, praying, you know, always good to pray. But, you know, if you're holding a space because you're going to walk people through a certain process and you're actually doing that just to try to pull yourself out of the shit that you've been experiencing in your life, you're going to end up doing a lot more harm than good. Right. Mm-hmm. This is about being a responsible healer, you know? Yeah, it doesn't mean that you have to, like, totally have all your ducks in no, a row or know where right. you're going. Because no, we're have all already still healing. Arrived, but it also means just being responsible. It just means bringing awareness to your own process and going, okay, I feel called or led in this space, but why? Is there something in me that is looking for a place to go heal myself? Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that I can do it in the connection with other people. And, you know, if that's, if you find that that's the case, then it might be an opportunity for you to be like, let me reevaluate, let me reassess my, my path, my plan to do this so that I can deal with whatever I'm not dealing with. So that it can be a safe space for people. That's what we're attempting to do. Yeah. But if you, and if you can't hold yourself in safety, you cannot hold other people in safety for them to move through their trauma. And, And here's the thing is like, this is what I was going to say earlier is like holding ourselves in safety. That's something that I would think, I think is a good place to go into with this conversation because that can look very different person to person or even time to time for each person, Mm -hmm. you know, moment to moment for each person. And that place of safety is really rooted in the relationship with God that we've been talking about, but This last week, and really two weeks, um, I'm working with a men's group right now and going into a lot deeper work than I guess what I have been because it's more structured, more organized, and more focused on specific things that I have been kind of walking through myself, but also walking others through uh, in our group spaces, babe, and we're going to continue to do those things, but resetting the nervous system uh, as a part of energetically clearing that trauma and, and like rewiring that communication system from the heart space and kind of clearing out that reptilian interfacing program. And whenever you clear out the reptilian interfacing system in a quantum session, Uh, and it doesn't just have to happen in a quantum session. It can happen while you're riding your bike. You know what I mean? It can just happen for people whenever it's their time for that to go down. It can be from a coherent space. It can be, uh, in a group space. It can be one-on-one. It can be between you and God. Um, but we start to have these things within ourselves that are looping us in trauma (coughs) dismantle. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even, it's paradox because it doesn't even happen at, because you're trying to locate all your trauma and deal with it. Right. It happens whenever you're actively pursuing and cultivating health. And then it starts to illuminate all of the trauma, all of the sickness. It's not that you can go attacking the sickness. You have to like cultivate the health. So mm-hmm. whenever I did a recent activation, um, I mean, we've been in so many spaces where we've reset the nervous system using the voice. Uh, you can see this using vagus nerve and stuff like that, but we do entire like, neural synapse and central nervous system, spinal cord reset, clearing out that ET tech. It may sound kind of woo woo right now, but 
I was going through so much unearthing from that. Mm-hmm. There were two or three like really main wounds that were coming to the surface that I had to emotionally deal with in ways that I knew how to um, use my support system that I had, my relationship with God, my alone time, but also like the people around me that I trust and just use the tools that I had in place, but also learning about the nervous system and then going through a nervous system reset. I've recently, you know, babe, you've shown me different things around tapping, clearing lymph from the body, moving stuff around the lymphatic system, learning about lymph fluid, and then realizing, holy shit, this is actually perfectly supporting the quote unquote spiritual energy work that I did (laughs) because that shit is real and it really moves things around and it unearths it. You know, you have memory retrieval, um, you put pieces of your life together, you have wounds coming up and you have to deal with them, release emotions. Um, But also to support that, the diaphragmatic breathing, different breathing exercises, techniques, being more aware of myself whenever my nervous system is having a response, the most subtle of responses. Whenever I wake up in my body, uh, I immediately feel endorphins or whatever going. I didn't feel that before. I didn't realize it Mm -hmm. before. So there are subtle moments, even the past two weeks where I'm like, dude, my body is a constant river of communication and it's always talking to me. It's always telling me things. I've heard these things. I've probably even said them too, but I'm seeing like, whoa. And it's not even a million voices at once. It's just clear, direct communication mm-hmm. directly to me. Mm-hmm. Whatever I am, it's like my body is talking to me all the time and I can talk back to it. And I've done it before, healing a lot of like body dysmorphia and nutrition stuff or habits around food shame-based overeating, all that kind of stuff. But it's like, it's happening again for me, but it's at a deeper level where I'm like, whoa, you start tapping and it's not just tapping certain areas, it's tapping lymph nodes, brushing and gently moving things around, breathing, talking to my body. It's like, this is the conversation of embodiment. And we can't just be in our body and say, I'm in my body. It's like, you're having an entirely new experience with what that is and it's all because well for me it it was like triggered by the activation of like (laughs) dropping out the reptilian interfacing system for a group of men and then doing a central nervous system reset using my voice and running all kinds of vocal tones and stuff which i've done i don't know 10 15 20 times through private session work through group work Mm -hmm. but this time pairing it with all of the tangible information around the nervous system and the things that we're talking about in this conversation, it like, boom, expanded exponentially my experience that I've been having. And it's like, these two things go hand in hand. If I just get the right mix to like, not only do the work that I'm called to do, but also be open for where that leads me and the information that comes with it not be like, I can't receive. There's some things I can't receive from if I feel like they have no life, no soul or whatever, but there's some things that I can, and I can hear you, babe. That's like, I can hear conversations that we all have here mm-hmm. and how information is given in that space. When I feel good, when I feel safe, I feel open. I can let myself be vulnerable, vulnerable, receive something. And it clicks right in that spot. That's mm-hmm. like, boom, this, mm-hmm. you had no idea, Bo, how this was about to affect <laughs> you. But 
here it is locking into place and it becomes <coughs> integral. And I have to practice that, of course. Then I'm realizing that there was a point where I really thought I could regulate myself and my nervous system whenever I was trying to be super hyper independent. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, wow, I'm actually affected by everything around me and it's okay. And I don't have to try to resist it all the time and be like, tell myself, you're not supposed to be like that. Not supposed to be like that. I knew that that was just another trauma response eventually. Um, but now it's like to understand more of like how my body communicates with me. I did inner child work for a couple of years and it's like, that is kind of coming back up, but in a different way mm-hmm. because I'm not necessarily seeing the wounded inner child. That's that has even shifted, but it's like, I'm seeing more of like the body me, Bo, the adult, not even just the part of myself that's a child and the adult part of me can like communicate. It's not just like that. It's like tangibly right here, right now, I can talk to my body and it's very hard sometimes because it's like my body freaks out. And I I used to not even realize that it was doing that. Mm -hmm. And then I know that because I'm doing other work, it's kind of bringing a lot to the surface too. But in an emotional process, when all I want to do is point the finger. All I want to do is blame. All I want to do is find a reason. All I want to do is survive. You know, that part of me, that's like just desperate Mm -hmm. to survive, desperate to find relief. And I feel like if I can put this on you or I can put it on someone or blame somebody else, I can get it off of me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not even trying to make somebody else feel some kind of way. I'm just trying to clear this out. My body's desperate to get it off. And it's like, you end up like energetically vomiting that all over somewhere that it doesn't actually belong. And then you have to clean it up anyway. Instead of doing that, it's like having these tools to regulate or clear things, discharge it from the body, work with the nervous system, communicate with yourself, bring God into it to understand yourself more. And I don't know, it's not all happening at once, but just the last two weeks, I'm like, dude, I can't really explain here in this space what all that has offered me or gifted me just to be able to kind of put these things together. But I do know at a deep level that it's been doing a, mm. like so much more for me. And I already know that it's going to enhance the work that I do, the mm-hmm. work that we do. It already is. It's changing our conversation. <clears throat> it's changing how we relate to one another. Mm-hmm. And it's bringing more of that compassion into understanding why people are so desperate, why people are so zombified, why people are so justified in the things that they try to do from an un- unconscious place yep. and compassion doesn't always mean like tolerance, like, Oh, it's okay. Or it's okay. I accept that. And it's like, you don't have to accept it. Right. You know, it's, it's like the whole cattle farm analogy is like, yes, slavery, human slavery has been justified because of this desperate attempt for different entities or groups to meet their own needs at the expense of human beings. And we can have compassion for that and understand the dynamics that are going on here and still say no, Mm -hmm. still say fuck off sometimes Mm -hmm. and still recognize it as not okay, not organic, Mm -hmm. not true. Right. Something can be real, but it doesn't make it true. Right. So a couple things are coming up for me. The first one that I was going to say is I, when we were talking about the communication of embodiment, I think this is why the somatic experience and the felt sensation of the body is so important because that is how your body is actually communicating. When you telling you what's going on, 
in the physical body, in the energetic body, in the emotional body, these sensations that are coming up in your experience of being a human is the conversation of embodiment. <laughs> the other thing that's coming up is as you were talking about the whole cattle farming conversation <laughs> and me thinking about humanity being cattle and thinking about fractality and how it is just micro, wow. macro, my, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just going, 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 going mm -hmm. and fractality and perpetuity. And then it's like, but how do we stop it? Because we are the cattle right. for them, for but they, else. but we have to eat the cattle because we have to eat. And this is the whole premise of veganism, right? <laughs> but, but we're finding now, and sorry to the listeners, but that veganism is really unsustainable for the human body because there are certain things that you need from meat that you just cannot get mm -hmm. retinol being one of them. Mm -hmm you know, and how that relates to like magnesium and copper and how all these things work in tandem and bioavailability in the body. And you just can't get that from a vegan diet. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we can understand that, right? We have to farm the cattle and eat them. Mm -hmm. We are the next level up. Mm -hmm. We are the cattle we're farmed the and we're being farmed. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. But also exactly. like, look at how much consciousness and awareness is coming even into those um, cattle farming processes where it's becoming more and more um, sought out for people to source cattle from places that are uh, regenerative, sustainable. regenerative, sustainable, and trauma is not Humane. being induced. Right. But still, even if we apply that to ourselves, <laughs> it's like, okay, so they let us free range, which right. they do, right? <laughs> Okay, but and even in the realm of myofascial like uh, therapy, they say you want to eat wild game because the trauma is not stored in the fascia, right? Because when you're consuming meat, you're eating trauma mm -hmm. because it's stored in the body. Mm -hmm. So, but these things are feeding off of us, right? Mm -hmm. But I guess the difference is that they feed off of the trauma, off of our trauma yeah. and our yeah. fear, yeah. and our fear. So it's like they specifically want they us need in, the trauma, yeah, and fear and trauma, yeah. So they don't need us to be happy cows <laughs> no. to make good yogurt. Yeah. That's why what I will say is that from a um, physics perspective, the environment uh, is, is necessary whenever it comes to supporting plasmic intelligence and forming that plasmic intelligence mm -hmm. in a sustainable way. And, it's not even that <laughs> these beings, like we've been saying, are trying to create this terrible life because they want to see us suffer. It's because they're suffering because they're so disconnected from their source mm -hmm. uh, and they're actively rejecting it. And in order to avoid change, because to change, you'd have to have a reckoning with uh, almost like a weighing of the balance. You know, you come to face the reality of not only your own decisions, but the reality of how others' decisions have affected you. That is what a reckoning is. You come to face it. And that is, they're, they're, it's like they're so afraid of that, just like we are sometimes. So afraid to face the music, face the truth, confront the shadow, confront the ego, confront the thing. Um but that's what's required for change. So they're trying to avoid change at all costs, just like most of us do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Some of us 
want to be like, yeah, we welcome change. You may have convinced yourself to do that even. Only constants change. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately. Another way to deal with trauma. Our, our organic remembrance, our true ancestral remembrance tells us that we don't have to change. And, but I'm talking about a deep soul level because our source is unchanging. Mm-hmm. And so we are a part of that and we remember that. But in a world that is always changing, it's like, it's easy to resist that at all costs. Like we don't want to change. We want to find something comfortable, even if it is toxic, we want to find something familiar and comfortable, um, even if it's unsafe. And we want to do everything we can to avoid moving out of that space. So what are the implications around evolution and spiritual evolution then? I mean, and I've had, I've had this thought before. I think it was the first episode where you were talking about God is eternal and unchanging. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, then why do we try to change and evolve? But I guess because we're trying to change and evolve to come back to that source. State yeah. Because yeah. where we're at now is obviously not. Yeah. It's really not. Is. I don't even think that it's really evolution. I think that it's, um, I mean, I think that's the word that we get, that gets used for it. Like we're um, evolving into more aware it's more like coming back home i guess yeah i I don't think that change is necessarily (laughs) even the intention i think change is another byproduct yeah because the more trauma that you release from your body the less you are how you were (laughs) you know like that trauma creates an identity it creates an entire genetic makeup the the traumatized genetics inform our body of how we're actually built Mm -hmm. it's true Trauma imprints on our genes and and it literally um, causes our genetics to morph. Mm -hmm. And well, this is, and I brought this up in my course too, and I actually wrote a research paper in college on it and it was in a nutrition course. So my professor thought that it was the bee's knees because it was beyond nutrition, Mm -hmm. but I was talking about how nutrition and external like stimuli, environment, trauma, things like that actually reprogram or, um, restructure the DNA whenever, you know, at the moment of conception and during gestation. Mm -hmm. Um, Epigenetics. Yeah. So, but going back to what you're talking about, I'm still on the cattle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still on the whole cattle conversation because analogies are the shit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about this and it's like, well, then what, I'm like, what is the answer then? Do we go back to tribal law where nothing is farmed, where no, no one's farmed. We're living back into like, you know, in the wild and we're hunting and, but then we, but then we also, once, once we insert ourselves back into this ecosystem in this way, then we are not only the hunter, but we're also the hunted also. Oh yeah. So it's like, we're no longer at this apex of this, uh, pecking order or this, um, you know, food chain or whatever. We're from the ego to the eco, right. Mm -hmm. Kind of like back into the workings, the intricate intricacies of this ecosystem is like, is that the answer? Because (laughs) like, I don't know. Do you think that farming cattle makes us more susceptible to being farmed ourselves? Well, that's what I'm saying because I'm thinking about how even ants farm things, though. They farm aphids. Mm -hmm. I learned that as a gardener. So it's like, but I'm thinking micro to macro. But they they serve the queen, too. And that's another conversation. (laughs) Oh, shit. That goes into some of these 
some of these subsets of this fear consciousness that are actually well and these workers are programmed too they're like drones that only yeah. have like one right. job so yeah this queen. is like this is a whole other conversation i guess but um i'm just thinking about how well if we farm cattle you know what i mean and mm-hmm. we farm all these other animals why wouldn't we also be farmed it's like what is the what's the answer here you know what i mean do mm-hmm. we do we kind of scrap all of our agricultural and industrial uh you know achievements and go back into the wilderness of being like a hunter gatherer mm-hmm. type thing and then Do we just try to live on the sunlight <laughs> <laughs> i don't know be man i don't shit. know man. <laughs> everybody's like oh yeah that wouldn't be funny but just for well and i know because there's so many there's all this nuance here because mm-hmm. you know it is about the fact that we live on a planet that is it's a farm planet it is it is a big old ant farm uh, on this planet is and it's like you know we're like existing in bodies that have to be sustained i mean if we're going to stay you know so it's like there's all this nuance when you start getting to these conversations that it can take us down some places we're like well Mm -hmm. well, then what about this but then all of these other aspects also like you know even plants, plants would be the only thing that doesn't consume other things except for like sunlight or, or nutrients from the soil, straight from the soil, right. right? But then the things consume, animals consume other animals, they consume other plants, you know? Mm-hmm. But even some plants are carnivorous plants. So I, mean, I don't fucking know, man. Let's, let's, <laughs> hold on. Let's take this back to some origin here, like some origin context, because the earth, unless you believe in creation, myth, creation theory, uh, which at oh, some man. level may, might be accurate, but thinking about the earth as a terrarium that's been set up by, and this may sound super crazy, but I say mad scientists because the Orion Wars are basically the galactic backdrop that is widely accepted and Part of me believes this, part of me not, but I'm just adding some context here for conversation's sake. Because whenever you look at Earth, all of the resources and the populations, different species of Earth, uh, they didn't come from nowhere. They came from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of the times in these galactic origin stories. (laughs) God made them all. (laughs) Who's God? And and Adam named every single one of them. So what are you talking about? Which, yeah. (laughs) It's, um... Damn, I was going to say each, each species, <laughs> each race is not coming from somewhere, but someone. Right. And there are characters that become the, uh, center, center of the wheel, you know, that all these different characters, um, from mythology, different indigenous cultures, different races, they all point back to things that are similarly described in the Sumerian tablets, uh, in the Torah, in the, you know, like these origin stories of beings that came here to cultivate. I mean, a lot of people who listen to this podcast will probably watch Gaia TV. You can go find information however you want, right? But most of it's going to end up pointing to uh, earth not being created as some blip out of nothing. It was like, there was a plan. There was a cultivation here. The plants that are here were put here for a purpose in order to sustain something else that was going on, right? The plants, even the animals, even the humans, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. have been genetically modified. We are all GMO. Mm-hmm. Not just our plants in the, in, true, in the small scale of like, whenever you're looking at, at uh, your local supermarket and you have organic or not organic and it's like, oh, this is GMO. So I'm going to go for the organic one. It's like, it's not actually organic. But you're also going to pay extra for that. People realize, <laughs> exactly. They, they put another price on it, but it's just an illusion. Nothing's actually like, quote unquote, organic because it's not untouched. You know, it may be from seed to table untouched, but... <laughs> the genetics of that seed is not untouched. I mean, everything came from somewhere. So humans did too. And the humans that we are today have been so severely genetically modified. We've been hybridized just as we are right here, right now. The food that we eat, the air we breathe, the water we drink, it has so much shit in it. And we're also experiencing a life that is coding us at a molecular level in our DNA. Babe, like you said, it's like how we are expressing in our DNA, how our DNA is expressing itself is changing day to day, Mm -hmm. literally from the interactions and experiences that you have in this moment to the next can be expressed in our genetics differently. What we pass down. Uh, I mean, just look at clearing trauma, having a spiritual revelation, having a soul retrieval is like you're clearing ancestral lines. And yesterday you still had that trauma in your ancestry. Today, you don't. So your genetics are going to be expressed differently day to day, depending on where you're at, how you're feeling. This is where timelines come in because they're all based on a state of being and the trajectory that that state of being and the possibilities that come from that state of being. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know if necessarily uh, what we can do at, at a collective level is I think the focus of the conversation, because that's already happening. Uh, there are plenty of people who are trying to solve problems that are being perceived or uh, figure out better ways to do the things that we're kind of feeling trapped in doing, like consuming, consuming plants and animal matter. But I think at the individual level, whenever we start to understand what makes us alive, what makes us living at a soul level like we've talked about the union blueprint Mm -hmm. actually having that relationship with god like it always comes back to this that will start to inform us of the reality of these bodies even because when our bodies are gmo they're storing trauma so as we start to clear those timelines clear that trauma our bodies cannot exist in the same state that they're in so they won't even look the same this is why we've said that anyone who's preaching new earth uh, what is to come more than likely has no fucking idea because we've been so detached from the things that are supposed to be because all we think <laughs> is what we've been told, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, whenever we start to clear out all of the trauma, the GMO seven chakra system, things like that, like consumption, consciousness from ourselves, parasitic consciousness from ourselves and come back into wholeness come back into uh, symbiosis, come back into union within ourselves, it will inform our reality totally differently. And for that to be stored in our bodies, our bodies will have to change. So this is where people are talking about crystalline DNA, crystalline technology. Okay, it's just another container, but eventually those things won't even exist either. So it's like the evolution. (laughs) So what you're saying is that we don't know what the answer is yet, but it will come because once we begin to heal and come back into 
wholeness mm-hmm. or in relationship with God and more uh, of an embodied experience, then the pieces will start to come together because our bodies and everything, the trajectory, the timelines, everything's going to change. So we mm-hmm. don't know what the answer is yet. Yeah, but this, and, and, and I agree with that. This also made me think too of like our definition of consumerism and what it means to consume. And it's like, it started to make me think about um, ancient practices where um, even the food that they ate, whatever it was, was always honored. And there was a reverence given for the life that was Mm -hmm. taken in that space because it wasn't about what we know as consumerism. It wasn't about that. It was about um, nourishment. Mm-hmm. And it was about agreement. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, like consumerism and being consumptive is almost like that bottomless pit that can never be filled and attempts mm-hmm. to like swallow things up like a black hole and take everything it can in more than it's filled. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just having a yeah. moment right now of like <clears throat> moving from that like very unconscious place yeah. to a conscious place of like, this is how we nourish well, ourselves. It, is, it isn't really consumption at that point. It's reciprocity. Yeah. It's, it's that balance. It's a give and take. Yeah. Like it's an agreement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is an agreement. And this is, um, I mean, you're exactly right, Jody, because even in Muscovy culture, um, <laughs> when we would hunt, we would never take more than we needed. And we would also offer something in return mm-hmm. on the place where the life was taken. Yeah. And if you didn't, the, we believed that, you would be stricken with an illness. <laughs> you like, do and, it. and each animal spirit had a different illness. So like if you killed a deer and you did not practice reciprocity, you did not give thanks. You did not honor them. Mm-hmm. You did not use every part of their body for something. Mm-hmm. You wasted any part of them or you, you know, you did not uh, pray over their body. Then you would be stricken with rheumatism and your whole family would too from oh. eating, eating the flesh. Wow. This goes right along with the conversation because whenever we're not practicing legit spiritual hygiene Mm -hmm. and living from these principles, pure principles within ourselves, Mm -hmm. it makes us susceptible Mm -hmm. to irregulate irregularity, Mm -hmm. dysregulated dysregulation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah. Well, and the law of reciprocity is the foundation of everything and devotion. Yep. So, We'll have to have that in another talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's so many things to even talk about here. And there's probably many things we've said that people are like, why won't they talk about that? And if that's the case, you guys <clears throat> use the space um, on the um, links where our podcast um, is available and reach out to us and let us know like, Hey, we'd love to hear more about this. Mm-hmm. Or we'd love to have a conversation around this. We'll totally mm-hmm. put it, put it in the mix. <clears throat> Yeah, there's an option on Anchor and Spotify to send in a voice message. Mm-hmm. And um, we would love to listen to those. You can also yes. reach out to us, obviously, on the Instagram. Um, send us a message or any topics that you want to hear about. Um, and if you love the podcast, please give us a you know an honest review and rating because that does help the visibility of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Oh, I don't want to stop. (laughs) There's so many things that I feel like are even unsaid and we'll have to just say what we can. Yeah. I mean, we have a very specific time container. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs>